was a rumble in the jungle Once I heard dad was outside again Counting birds and mama plugged in the nightlight And I saw the queen of the world Welcome to the Golden Hour mama Birth Podcast. I am your co-host Liz. Host Natalie, and tonight we have traveling with babies sensation Kelly Farrell. Sorry, on. Um, I'm going to give a wink to Andrea Klipsch, our mutual oh, friend, yeah. our Aussie girl. Yeah, girl. Um, and Kelly is going to tell her stories of her two children. So, Kelly, thanks so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. Yeah, such an honor. <laughs> um. So if you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about your family. Yes. My favorite story. (laughs) I feel like um, because it's just like, I don't know, sometimes it's like so crazy even to me. Um, So in 2016, I lost my job. And in the most extreme reaction to losing your job ever, I was like, move to Europe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to move to Europe. Um, And so that's what I did. Didn't know anyone, didn't have a job, didn't have an apartment, like just packed my bags, Um, was planning on teaching English because I was already a teacher here um, in St. Louis. And I was like, I'll just do that and I'll just do it there. And um, showed up one day and was like, well, I'm going to give myself three months to figure it out. If I don't figure it out in three months. I'll just move home. Mm-hmm. And I figured it out. And I was there for four years. And funnily enough, um, I met my now husband like a month after moving there. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, we met on Tinder. And there it was used more like, I know it's like Tinder, but um, at the time in Europe, it was not as much of a, like a hookup app. I, I felt like as it was like here in the state, but more of just like, People are moving, people are traveling, people are going around. Like, it's a lot more casual to just be like, hey, do you want to like, what, what is there to do here? What mm-hmm. is fun in the evenings? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, we just kind of messaged and I, he was Czech. So I was like, you know, the language <laughs> like, <laughs> that is super important because I know nothing. Um, cause I would just showed up in Prague one day and, tried my best and then was like i don't know if i'll ever learn this thing <laughs> <laughs> it was impossible so i was like well that's beneficial definitely want to make a check friend and he asked me to go ice skating and instead of going to a bar like everybody else and so i was like yeah <laughs> let's really do that <laughs> let's go ice skating and from there we just kind of i like of course i was like i just moved halfway across the world i do not need to date you right now but i do really like you (laughs) so let's continue to hang out and be friends and then after like two months together he was like well do you want to go to italy and i was like (laughs) how do you say no to like two months of which is probably like we were joking the other night i was like that i can't believe i did that (laughs) i knew you for two months and i was like yes let's go to italy together just us two you could have kidnapped me and murdered me thank goodness you did not do that (laughs) i must have really had full trust in uh, in him in that moment but like 
after you trusted your whole life in that moment. I did. I did. I was just like, my gut cannot lead me wrong. Like it absolutely could. But like at the time I was like young and carefree and just going on a whim, just living life in the breeze. Um funny how now I'm like, I can't even like go outside without being like, do I have everything? Do we have all the bags? Have I packed enough snacks? You know, like, but at the time it was just so easy with him and so we just started dating and um at the and obviously 2020 was i think a rock thrown in you know the bridge for everybody and kind of shook things up we had actually gotten married at the end of 2019 mm-hmm. planning on moving because like we were living in europe we were traveling we were you know like living such a renaissance life and it was fantastic and we were like well let's um go to north america and south america and let's travel that part of the world for a little bit and so we got married we were already engaged so we just did a little courthouse wedding then we were like okay well perfect now we can just apply for a visa in the u.s and that will at least get us we'll move there and that can be our base for a little while and we can travel that part of the globe and then 2020 just shook everything up and we're like okay well we don't really know when the visa is going to get approved but now we're really like we are fresh newlyweds and we are just now not allowed to leave our home and in europe it was like even more extreme like we really couldn't leave our apartment the only thing you could leave your house for was to go to the doctor or to go to the grocery store or to walk the dog like everything else was completely shut down mm-hmm. you could not leave and so we were really in our little tiny european apartment prague apartment like just making it work and after all of that i like loved him even more and just <laughs> like we got along better and we just had such a nice time together during that experience. And so I was like, okay, well, if we can survive in this tiny apartment, let's plan on like doing van life, you know, (laughs) because like if we move back to the U.S., that still allows us to travel, but we can go wherever we want. And Mm -hmm. it's a small confined space. We're used to that now. Um, that would just be such a fun experience. And then his visa got approved. So we started that process. We were starting to look at vans. We were starting to look at like <laughs> renovating. We were going to full do like van life, <laughs> you know, like renovate the van and live out of it with our yeah. dog and travel around. Like we were going to be those people. Yeah. Um. One month before we moved, I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> one month. Wow. I had... Four weeks for us to be like, well, uh, not going to raise a baby in a van, but not to like knock on people that some people still do still do that. But I was like, just was not in the cards for me. I did not like wasn't even entirely sure I wanted to be a mom. I felt still in my very like selfish phase. How am I going to I loved to travel. How? Would I do that with 
kids, yeah. you know, like how that I, that just was so out of the realm for me. So to find out I was pregnant, then it was like, well, this is our, this is our reality. I now have four weeks to figure <laughs> out. We were like, well, I guess we'll move back to St. Louis. I guess we will, you know, like move closer to my family and my, and so we'll have the baby there and, um, experience because Another thing to think about was like I was in this foreign country where I don't speak the language. And although they have incredible healthcare systems there and maternity leave and all of that stuff is really, really great. But finding a doctor that can communicate with me it was like the ultimate priority. And I hadn't found that yet there. Um, and so I just felt a lot more comfortable, like moving back here to, even though it was going to be like astronomically more expensive, <laughs> yeah. um, just going ahead with our plans to continue the move back. We had already paid all the money for the visa and gone through the whole wait process. And it had taken us like a year at this point from when we applied uh-huh. and so much had happened. <laughs> 2020 was a year. And so we were like, let's just let's just continue and we'll just go and we'll just do it. So me, I think I I guess at that point I was like maybe three months pregnant. We sold everything that was in our apartment back in Prague and moved back to the States with three suitcases and our dog. (laughs) Three suitcases and our dog and just showed up and then had to start a life over here because it had I had been in in Europe for four years and so much had changed, not just like in the world and in my environment, but like in me. And I was coming back a completely new person. I was coming back with this person that I was in love with and I was coming back as a soon to be mom. Mm -hmm. And so like all the things, all the shifts, it was like all happening at one time. And it was just very overwhelming and it was just it was just really kind of culminating into this moment of like giving birth to my first daughter and yeah. like wow how did he do on the transition oh great <laughs> he well because we had just gone from a place that was like very restrictive everything shut down mm-hmm. very like you can't do this you can't go there you can't like there's just not a ton of options and then coming here like there were no rules <laughs> and all. nobody was doing anything to cr- cr- <laughs> you don't want to wear a mask that's okay <laughs> so we came here we're like well in part it's kind of nice because we've been so restricted for the last like however many months but also terrifying because i was pregnant and this was still when nobody knew anything about this before the vaccine This was before anybody really knew the results of, like, if you got COVID while you're pregnant Mm -hmm. and, like, now they know it's really not good. But at the time, there was no information. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I wasn't willing to risk it. Like, we we did that move, which was actually nice because there was nobody on the plane. (laughs) Like... Nobody was really flying at that time, um, but that in itself was a logistical nightmare because Germany wasn't letting anyone in the country. Like, you could not. We were flying, planning on flying out of Germany because there's an easier flight. Mm-hmm. And um, 
nobody, nobody could get in or out. So we had to hire a car to drive us overnight because you could still fly out of the airport, but Mm -hmm. you weren't allowed to like, we had an early morning flight and you weren't allowed to like stay in a hotel the night before. Like you literally just had to show up and fly out. Um, and so we just hired a car to drive us the five hours from Prague to Frankfurt oh my gosh. overnight so we could just get there before the flight and then uh-huh. and be gone. Um, and so it was just, there were so many different things like that. So then to come here to the U.S., like my husband, Jakob, was just like, wow, there's just really nobody cares. <laughs> like there's no rules here. We can go wherever we want. Really? Like we can just do whatever. I'm like, America, man, just do whatever. Freedom. <laughs> land of the free land of the free (laughs) ridiculous i mean like (laughs) that's just and so now like he loves playing like he he's huge into fantasy football (laughs) and like he was um a pescatarian so he didn't eat meat when we lived in europe loves barbecue now <laughs> like full meat head like which is i find is hilarious like that's probably the biggest thing yeah. for me i'm like oh, yeah. we lived four years in europe and I, we really rarely ate meat and now it's like he he was like i can't move to st louis i can't move to the midwest and not eat barbecue <laughs> i'm like that's fair <laughs> i i understand that <laughs> like where's the bas- backwards baseball cap all the time like sweatpants are life like <laughs> what a cool guy what a cool guy <laughs> such an american bro now which if you knew him before makes it and eternally better <laughs> so so yeah so then we i guess like just kind of let, went through the pregnancy um, everything was normal to the extent that, like, I didn't, what do you know about, what do you really truly know until you go through it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like there was no amount of research or, like, reading books or looking on Instagram to, like, find the information, like, like I felt like I was taking it all in and was really trying to like absorb and learn. Mm -hmm. But like looking back, there was nothing that could have prepared me for like the birthing experience that I went through. And to some extent, like maybe, maybe I didn't need any of that, but like maybe it did help me, Mm -hmm. you know, it just like it each individual birth is so like special in their own way um and you just learn so much but i just don't know Mm -hmm. if there's anything that can ever truly prepare you for yeah going through that experience (laughs) no i'm just so ready to hear it all because we kind of started talking about it i know i know we did (laughs) yeah so should i just like jump in like just i mean unless you feel like you want to add anything more from your pregnancy oh with stella I don't know. It was pretty uneventful because it was COVID. We like, yeah. I just sat on my couch and like had crazy cravings um, <laughs> of like sweet, like I wanted Dunkin' Donuts every single day <laughs> and like Diet Dr. Pepper. Like I was not the hell, I'm going to be honest, like to all the, the audience members out there, I was not <laughs> that healthy queen. No. I wanted, I which is, which is hilarious <laughs> because like I was never a sweet tooth. I never like, 
really liked desserts or like like I would rather have an entirely another bowl of pasta than like leave room for dessert. You know, like I, that just I wasn't that person. Um, and so then to have these strong, crazy sugar cravings during pregnancy, like wow, and then immediately gone afterwards. Like I haven't really had them since, and so. That I just that was like probably the craziest thing that you know like happened to me during during the pregnancy portion <laughs> because um it was pretty you know laying on a couch and watching a lot of TV and yeah. reading a lot of books and um I was working up until that po- till the beginning of May so I had my daughter Stella at the end May 29th um but the beginning of May I was I worked up until then and then. Um, I went to the doctor at what I was kind of telling you earlier. I yeah. went to the doctor at 36 weeks and got a cervical check. And I don't know what happened, but that like I started having contractions and I started bleeding and I started having like my heart rate was kind of going all crazy. And I had an absolute full blown meltdown in the doctor's office after this happened. And it wasn't my doctor. It was like the nurse in the office that did it. And I don't know if she was just like rough or I don't know what Um, I'm not 100 percent what sh- sure what stripping the membranes is. But that is, I know, a tool that you, they try to induce labor. Yeah. And that is like what I was thinking maybe she had done. Like, I don't know if it was on yeah. accident or on purpose or but it was terrifying. I had like, and I, this was during COVID. So I was by myself. My husband wasn't there with me. And so this was just like a routine appointment that I all of a sudden start going into labor and I'm having really strong contractions. Yeah. Immediately after. And it was so scary. So they put me on the like stress NST, like stress stuff. And like drink some water try to calm down because i'm like bawling i'm like i am not mentally prepared to have this baby right now like what is happening and my husband's not here like i don't i don't know what's going on and so i finally calmed down my contractions stop and they are like okay we think you can go home we're gonna call you tomorrow like and then we really at that point we were like okay let's really go over like Here's what happens. If you're in labor, here's the signs to look for. Count this t- many times, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And nothing, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the next appointment, the, a week later, I was like, nobody's touching me. <laughs> nobody's going anywhere near me. And we are not doing this again. Yeah. I will take this to the very end without anybody ever touching me. Mm-hmm. One week later, even with that whole experience, they were like, we really would like to check you um, because I was having some contractions at that point. And um, and I was actually so when she did it the first time, when, when all that stuff happened, I was like two or three centimeters dilated. And so two weeks later, then they were like. We we want to check you again. We want to see if you've moved along any further. And um, I hadn't. 
And so they checked me and it was horrible. And my, my doctor, I like wouldn't let the nurse go near me. So my doctor did at that time because mm-hmm. she was there. Um, and she said I was like jumping to the end of the other end of the table because I was just like, I was so, because then at that point I was like stressed out. I was tense. Like it was an experience that nobody, you know, they're not, they're, comfortable. They're not comfortable. But I, after that, I was like this, my second pregnancy, spoiler alert got pregnant again eventually um but i never got one i was like no yeah, nobody's yeah. touching me yeah i'm not doing this at all yeah um but yeah so that she did it again and i hadn't moved at all one week before my um my scheduled induction because i was like ready to have this baby out of me um my mom fell and had an accident and ended up having to be rushed in an ambulance to the hospital. And my, I am my mom's only kid. And I think like the, str- I think the stress of that just sent everything backwards. Like I became less like pregnant <laughs> or like I was like not, I was maybe ready to have the baby earlier than or on my due date. But after that, the stress of like watching my mom have her accident and she, it left her paralyzed for, she had to have immediate surgery in order to fix all the, yeah, it was like super dramatic. So to go through that, I think my body was just like, we're not going to Mm -hmm. do this now because you can't handle that in addition to this. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I was, of course, still ready to have this baby because I was like, I'm going to take care of you for a week. Yeah. And then I need to have my own time because I need to like, I need to get into that headspace and I need to be ready to have this child. Like, I'm about to become a mom for the first time. Like, I just need to get there mentally. Mm -hmm. And by that point, we, things had like mellowed out my mom had her surgery she was starting to get some movement back in her hands and her legs and so it seemed like the surgery was successful and i was like okay i can this is like i can allow for myself to have this space but i think the stress of all of that just like made my daughter just like she just was not ready to come out she was like i'm gonna cook (laughs) <laughs> and toast a little bit longer in here and the just like the induction um went routinely they i was supposed to go in a few days before but they <laughs> there were so many women spontaneously going into birth because there was like a weird weather it was like a big storm and the pressure <laughs> from the the like air pressure sent women and so many women into labor Amazing. that they were like, well, we have to we can't have you, you like if you're not in labor, even though you have a scheduled induction, we have to wait. And they were <laughs> I was like, Jar? <laughs> so like, how do you be like uh the weather that's wild yeah right <laughs> well that's what they told me i don't know if that's like a real thing but that's definitely what they told me <laughs> yeah um and so so then a, a couple days and that of course like i had just been through all the stuff with my mom and i was just ready and so that sent me into another spiral and i was like crying on the phone with the 
lady at the hospital, like, please just let me come. I just want to get this over with. And I think that, like, looking back now, it's funny how, like, everything in hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that I was just a ball of stress. Like, there was no way my my birth with Stella was going to go smoothly, was going to be nice, was going to be as planned. Um, They ended up calling me at, like, 8 in the morning while I was... Well, it's funny because the night before they were like, oh, no, definitely won't be anytime soon. And then the next morning I was like, well, let's go to First Watch. Let's get breakfast. Like, let's just have a nice relaxing morning. And they called me while I was like waiting for my food. At, for, <laughs> and they were like, you can come in. And I was like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> and so I was like, OK. So I. If I couldn't eat because I was so anxious and, you know, like, I was like, okay, let's just go. Let's just get the food to go. And because I'm not going to eat. And, of course, my husband was like, okay, yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure. And so we we took the dog to um, the doggy hotel. We, like, obviously we told them. We were like, this is what's happening. And they were like, we, we'll save space for you. Make sure. And. Took our dog in and then went to the hospital for an induction. And that was like, I got there around nine, started the induction. Um, this was like the 28th. This was on the 28th. Yes. And so like they knew it would probably happen the next day yeah. just with how that process goes. Mm-hmm. It's a long process. Um, and so the induction happened and, and things. When I went in, they checked me and I was four centimeters dilated when I went in. And after that was 9 a.m., after several hours, um, they were like, okay, well, let's break your water. And so they broke my water. They did the epidural before things like got really painful and just kind of like wanted to wait and see and the epidural went routine it was perfectly fine um i stopped feeling things shortly thereafter and then i would say about like four out four to five hours in i started feeling everything again and i was like is that normal should I be feeling like pain and contractions and all this stuff? And they were like, no, I was like, well, I do. <laughs> so, so what's that? What's, what's happening there? Um, and they were like, well, okay, let's, let's call the anesthesiologist. They'll come back. They'll have a look at it. Um, and they came back and they looked at it and they said, well, it's in the right place. So, it should be working. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good, I guess. And then, and then, like, I started progressing. This was probably around 10 p.m. I started progressing and, like, really started, um, like, I guess I was probably around, like, eight or nine centimeters. And they kept checking me. And I mean, like, kept checking me. There would be one nurse in and she was like, nope, you're not ready. And, and, and I'm like in massive amounts of pain at this point. And 
like, are you sure? Like, I really like, I'm ow, like, ow. (laughs) And I'm like, why? Like, I thought an epidural, everybody says that you don't feel things when you get an epidural. Like, nobody tells you that, like, well, sometimes they can slide off and you, and you might still feel things or, um, maybe only half your body will feel it and then the other half will. And I don't know, there's just so many things that nobody ever talks about. Like, but mine fully did not work. <laughs> and the doctor, they kept coming back in and saying, like, it's in the right spot. I don't know what's happening. And so they just kept dosing me with lidocaine um, because that was the only thing that would. But apparently lidocaine is only meant to be used at the very end, like ring a fire, total pain, yeah, like as just like a dose to like get kinda. you. Yeah. Just get you through. Well, yeah. I had gotten about like seven or eight doses of this, um, but throughout that ending portion, Where were they putting it? They were putting it in my epidural, oh. and so they were like, "Well, it must work. It must be just like you just don't have the right." Okay, well, every anesthesiologist I've talked to after this has been like, "That's not a thing. It's not. It just doesn't. It doesn't like just not work." Like, they should have moved it. They yeah, should have yeah. tried other things. And because I'm crying constantly, I'm like in so much pain. There's there what essentially what happened is I'm like pushing and pushing because um well, let's back up. I'm like all over the place now. But if we back up a little bit, they kept checking me. Because they couldn't tell if I was 10 centimeters or not. And they didn't want me to start pushing, even though I was having a massive urge to push. Um, They didn't want me to start pushing until they knew for sure I was at 10 centimeters because they didn't want anything to tear. They didn't want me to break something. I don't know. They didn't want. So annoying. Yes. Like you, you, they don't let you trust your own body. Right. And so, they, so I'm literally sitting there grabbing on because, you know, the, like the hospital bed they have. The, I'm going. Push, 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 because they're like, we need to check you. We need to check you. And the nurse is like, okay, well, I'm gonna go get my supervisor. Like, I'm gonna have her give it. Let's give it another opinion. Because I'm, <laughs> and so she comes in. She's like, no, I don't think you are. And I'm like, there's no, uh, not freaking way, but in a not nice terms. Yeah. And um. And she was like, you know what? I think that you just have like a flap of tissue that's blocking. I think you are. I think you are there. I think you're sitting around. I'm like, oh, die. Yeah, just let me push. Like, and so I'm pushing. And so eventually they like there, she's like, okay, do it. You're, you're follow your body, follow your instincts. And so I'm pushing and. Pushed and pushed and pushed, and I'm in excruciating pain. I did not plan for a natural birth. I did not, I wanted an epidural. I did not want to be in pain, but I was in excruciating amounts of pain, and they just kept giving me lidocaine. And I kept, I couldn't remember the name of the drug, but I knew it ended with cane. So I just kept asking for candy cane. <laughs> And like was like, where's Doctor Candy Cane? I need more candy cane. And my husband is in the corner, white face, like for the whole thing because he was just so 
<laughs> unprepared for all the things that were happening. Like they kept telling him to like help me count, you know, like one. Yeah. Two and he was like one, two, three, four, five. and the nurse was like, "No, slow down." And he's like, one, two, three, four, five. And, I'm, and they're like, "No, slow down." One, two, three, four. <laughs> so eventually, the nurses just stopped asking him because he just like, and so he just like sunk back into the corner and was like, "I'm just prepared." And like, I don't blame him because I was screaming. I was in. I was so uncomfortable. I had somehow in in the process of pushing for about an hour and a half had gotten her down further. And then someone suggested at this point there were like eight nurses. There was like a midwife in there. There were nurses in there. There was a lot of people in the room. Um, And they were like, let's flip you. Let's see if You've worked her down. You've worked her this far. Let's see if flipping you into another position will do anything because my abdominal doesn't work, right? Yeah, so, like, well move yeah, move around a little bit. Um, and in the process of doing that, it just sent her immediately back up. Did you feel that? Yes. I mean, I felt everything, everything but yeah. like, it was. Uh, Everything was so painful at that point that it was like I couldn't I didn't know like what was what from what was her moving down to moving up like I was getting dosed with the lidocaine. So like at a certain point they gave me so much that I just couldn't feel anything. And a midwife was literally just like both hands trying to pull my daughter out of me at one point just trying to grab her and pull her out. And. After, I think it was like three hours of pushing, um, my doctor came in and was like, Kel, it's not happening. Like, she doesn't want to come out. She is on your spine. Like, she hasn't moved. She's, when she went back up, she was just like, I'm comfortable here. Um, at some point during all of that, I had gotten an infection. So they could tell my, like I was spiking fevers throughout the pushing and um, she w- her heart rate was going down and up and mine was going down and up and a lot of things were kind of culminating into like my the moment that she got in. I mean, she was like, I'll do one last push with you. And at that point, I was like, I've been pushing for three hours like. It's not going to happen. I can't. I can't physically do this anymore. And I like looked at my husband and I was just like, we have, we have to, I can't do it. I'm in so much pain. I'm so exhausted. I'm, I can't even like, I was so out of it. Like the last like 30 minutes, I don't even think the last hour actually, I don't even think I ever opened my eyes. The last 30 minutes for sure, I was like sleeping. Because I was so exhausted. I was in so much pain. My body just completely shut down between the fevers and the like losing heart rates and all the things that were happening. I was just like, okay, yeah, (laughs) do whatever it takes for me to like end this misery. And so from there, there was like, 
boom, 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 done in all of a sudden I'm like in the bright white lights. I'm in the surgical room. I'm in the OR like within 10 minutes of me making that decision. We were in there and we were started. Um, and it was the first time that I really was like, okay, like I can like kind of come to, I'm like still cussing the anesthesiologist out because I'm like, that was horrible. If you make me feel this, you're dead to me. I was like, you better make sure I don't feel a thing. <laughs> and like my doctor's going like I'm pinching you like you would feel this if you could feel something and I'm like I swear I'm like still cussing him out behind me <laughs> so, I'm not gonna feel a thing and then and then next thing next thing I know well I think they had like changed shifts at this point so I don't even know if it was the same person yeah. but like I was making it known that I was just, I better not feel a thing. And, um, and then as they started to pull her out, I could feel that it wasn't painful, but I could feel them pulling her out of me and the pressure of all of that. And I was like, uh, traumatized. Obviously, I was like, I'm starting to feel something. <laughs> I was like, thought it was going to be the pain that yeah. I had just endured. Um, and they were like, she's out, she's out, like, happy birthday, still, I know, like, and like, oh, God, I was just like, so, I like, couldn't even believe it was over, but that's, that's just like, a little bit of it, right? Like, that's just the start. Because then you give birth to the baby. <laughs> you have to, like, then you lay there and they, like, tried to be really quick because I, I had the infection. So mm. they wanted to close me up quickly. They wanted to get me on antibiotics. They wanted to get her on antibiotics because she could have the infection. Um, She was not breathing when she first came out. And so they were, like, trying to help her doing the assistant, assisted stuff. Her APGAR score was like kind of low. So they were like, okay, we're going to take her to the NICU. They brought her over to me and like so many things before that moment. I was so nervous. I was like, she has to go on me immediately. I need to do the skin to skin. I need to have that. But they were like, she can't. We have to take her. We have to take her away. And I was like, can I at least like hold her? I need to see her face. She's like screaming bloody murder. So I'm like, okay, well, she, I know she's breathing now. So like, can I at least just hold her for a minute? So they, so Jacob goes over there and, and does all like, you know, does the umbilical cord and has all that moment with her and gets her little footprint on his arm and gets her, you know, her weight and her, all her, vitals and stuff and it was i'm really really thankful that like he got to you know have that experience and it was just him and her and the nurse over there and he like really got to kind of take it all in while that was happening while i was getting stitched up and so then they're like yeah we'll bring her over and she's the whole time she's like screaming bloody murder and they set her on my chest and she just goes silent oh i love that and she is the, she was the most alert newborn I've ever seen in my life. Like eyes wide open, staring at me. 
didn't make a sound, just like listened to my voice as I was like talking to her. This is like, this is the most clarity I have had in like 24 hours. This was, I went in at what, 8, 9 a.m. the night before. This was 4 a.m. the next morning that all of this was happening. And she was born at like 3.52. So just silence. It was like nothing anybody could say, nothing anybody could do to like take away that moment. It was so special. And Jacob like had the camera out. So we have pictures of just bright eyed bushy-tailed, like, newborn, just sitting there, just listening to me talk to her. And it was just magic. Like, and I knew that they were about to take her away, but, like, in that moment, I was like, she knows I'm her mom, and I know she's my baby. And, like, uh, it was so special. So going through all of that to have that moment was just the nicest little cherry on top to the really weird cupcake that I had just eaten. (laughs) (laughs) And and so that was nice. But they took her to the NICU. Um, She ended up being there for about 48 hours. And the whole time, like, I didn't get to see her until late. So 4 a.m. until late that evening. So I wasn't with her for that whole time. And I know a lot of um, NICU moms and the NICU families that experience that. And you know the heartbreak of just like not being able to feel like you can be there for your child. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was pretty thankful for that um, only because I was passed out the whole time. I was so sick. From the, like the spinal that they give you for the C section had made me so sick. I was puking all day. I was passed out all day. Um, couldn't stay awake for more than like five minutes at a time. Um, it was just so, so hard. And so like knowing that she was at least somewhere safe because I didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And that was a real, another super scary experience to like feel like I can't even hold my baby without worrying I was going to fall asleep and like drop her or something was going to happen. So having her be there, although it was like impossible and super difficult, um, I at least knew that she was, you know, safe. She was being taken care of. Um, They were feeding her a ton of milk (laughs) and to the point where she ended up like I couldn't get her to latch when I finally did get her back um, because, of, I, you know, I was like, I'm going to try breastfeeding. I really want to try this. And she was like, I've just been getting like gallons of milk <laughs> there from a nipple that just lets it out pretty easily. And I've had zero effort to being just drowned in all of the milk that I would like. Um, so this is not for me. And I was like, oh no, like, man, I really tried. But the whole time, my infection was still around. Mm. They gave me my antibiotics that first day, but the medication that I was taking for the C section, so like the 
um, oxycodone, I don't, Percocet, I think maybe it was what it was, Percocet and Motrin were masking my infection symptoms. Mm. And so the nurses at the time, I guess, just like blamed when I would, I mean, like I had to be four hours and six hours on the dot. If I was like even 10 minutes late, I was like going through convulsions and like massive amounts of like the shakes and everybody was just saying, oh, that's hormonal. Like, you know, which, which it can be. Um, I was freezing cold, would go through and, and start like just all these weird, crazy things. If I, and massive amounts of pain, I mean like massive amounts of pain for days. It never got better. I was still having like looking back on it now, having my second child, I was still telling them for four days after my C-section, I was still at like levels eight, nine, and 10 levels of pain when I went, because they ask you on a scale of one, zero to 10, like one to 10, what level of pain that whole time I was giving them eight, nine, tens. And but the but the medication was helping and it was masking all the yeah. other infection symptoms so like just nobody picked up on it i guess like were they doing blood work still yeah i think so but not but now that i think about it like i don't think they did i think that was one of the complaints that we we had afterwards was like they did the blood work at the beginning but then they never really did it afterwards um because whatever reason honestly like truly deeply i do not blame those nurses because what i really think it was is like we're fresh kind of like we're still in covid but we're kind of coming out of it it's been a heck of a year for nurses a lot of them left the profession i think they were just massively understaffed and there was no one to take care of me Mm-hmm. There was no one there to support me. Mm-hmm. And through no fault of their own, they had too many patients and they were just doing the best they could. Mm-hmm. And and truly, that's what I feel that it was. But like because of that, all my stuff that was entirely preventable, like just was went completely missed mm-hmm. and was not taken care of. And nobody, you know, like was paying attention to that were you like up and walking at any point i was and and (laughs) this is like also my thing like they just tell you that right like just get up and walk around like that'll help (laughs) (laughs) and i so i was trying like really was trying and it just was never getting any better yeah and but like it's my first kid i don't know what to expect i just had major abdominal surgery c-section that i did no research about i had no expectations i had no idea what that was going to be like and so i just didn't know i didn't know what was normal i didn't know that that wasn't normal to be in that level of pain because i also like i don't really i've never really had any major surgery before i've never really been sick i've never had any of that to even have a gauge from a separate thing so like i just had no idea and it wasn't until i so we got discharged after five days and 
I still at that point after five days still had to be like a hundred percent on. I tried to wean off a little bit of the, like the Percocet and I had to immediately, I was like, I absolutely not. Like, and then I was nervous. Like, am I going to get addicted to this? Is this what, is this normal? Like, am I, if I'm not taking it, I'm in this level of pain. Well, then I'm definitely going to get addicted to it because that level of pain is insane and this helps it massively. So like, if that's what that is, then I can completely see how people get addicted to these opioids. And then when their prescription is cut off, then they have to find other methods. And I was like, go, all this stuff is going through my head because I'm just, it hurt. It hurts so bad. And the first night that we go home, I look at my husband and I say, I'm like holding her. I'm like still trying to breastfeed at this point. I'm like, we're still, you know, giving it the old college try. (laughs) And it's just not working. And I, and I am a little bit off on my medication and I start having these like the sweats and I'm starting getting the chills and I'm starting to pass out again. And I'm like, you have to hold the baby. And of course, like this is all a stressful time for him too. So he's like, what do you mean you can't take care of the baby? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, we have our dog back now. We have like, the the baby this newborn baby like he had never held a baby before for more than maybe like he was an uncle but like he had maybe he holds the baby really awkwardly for like a couple minutes and then like gives it back you know like (laughs) he was like this is not for me and so like that was the extent of him holding a baby before that point and he was like all very overwhelming he's like you're passing out like you're going to bed right now and I'm like, I can't help it. I have to go lay down. I have to get under the covers. I'm freezing cold. And I was like, well, last time this happened, like I just needed to take my medicine. That's all I needed to do. And then it will go away. And so I pass out for like an hour, an hour and a half. And then what? when the medicine kicked back in, then I was okay. Mm-hmm. And I called my sister, my older sister, who has had four kids at this point. And I'm like, did this at any point and she was like no that i don't i don't know it's like she had a vaginal birth for all four kids so like she didn't she just was like i have no idea like i don't know about the c-section i don't know if that's normal and it sounds kind of crazy but like and she was like texting her friends like did you have this happen like maybe when your milk comes in you can get fevers and so like maybe that's it I was like, I don't know. So she came over to help. Um, She just watched Stella while I was like going through all this. And she was like, maybe you just need some rest. Like, Mm -hmm. go take a nap. So like me and my husband, we went and took a nap. And she just like watched Stella sleep for an hour, which is really nice. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, I just need to be better about taking my medication. The next night, my dad and my stepmom come over to meet Stella for the first time because this was at the hospital. We couldn't have any visitors at the time. Um, COVID. (laughs) And um, so they came to meet her. And of course, I'm like spending time with them and explaining all, you know, like, this is just what I went through. It's crazy. And I'm not paying attention to the time. And I'm like 15 minutes off 
from they leave. I'm like 15 minutes off my medication and it starts happening again. And I'm like, I like start getting the shakes and I start getting really cold and I start and I was like, okay, I need to like take my temperature this time. I really need to take my temperature because yesterday, yesterday I didn't take it until I had already taken the medication. Mm -hmm. And so that I was like, so let go find the thermometer and Jacob takes it and I pass out and he takes it and it's like 103. And so I call the nurse, the doctor and they were like, you need to come in. You need to come into the hospital. And I'm like, but I have a baby and I have a husband and I have a dog. We only have one car. Is he supposed to get the baby ready and do all this stuff? Like, and they were like, you need to come. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm calling an ambulance. And I was like, I know this is going to be super expensive, but like, I'm already, I've already had all the medical bills, like fine, whatever. Like, hopefully I'll just reach my deductible and whatever. Like, I just need to get to the hospital. And so they, so, so I called the ambulance and they came and I couldn't get out of bed because I didn't want to take my medication because I was like, I need somebody to tell me what's wrong. Something is wrong. Uh And if I take it, I'm afraid it's going to mask whatever is actually happening. And so I was like, so I'm not taking it. So I'm literally like passing out constantly, like in my bed. Poor husband is like just standing there, like has no idea what to do. Just holding our newborn daughter. It's been 24 hours since we've been discharged. It hasn't even been 24 hours since I was discharged. And they like get me up. The uh, paramedics like get me up and they take me out. And they were like walking me through the house because they, my house is so small. They can't even like bring in anything to get me out of the house. So they're like kind of carrying me. I'm kind of walking and then they get me on the stretcher and they like wheel me out of my house. And I just like look back and my husband is just like standing in the doorway. As I'm being wheeled out on a stretcher and put into an ambulance with our four, five day old daughter in his arms and our dog. And he's just like, and like that image will forever be burned into my memory, into my brain, because oh. that was terrifying. Tune in next week for part two of Kelly's birth story. Two days go by, and I'm I still have the infection. It has spread from my uterus to my C-section scar, so it's getting worse. <laughs> I'm trying to breastfeed every three hours. I'm yeah, pumping. Pump- I was also experiencing this profound like realization of like, where's my community? Six months later, we were like, which should, should we try again? <laughs> We actually accidentally got pregnant. Oh, no, we did it on purpose. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Golden Hour Birth Podcast. Check out Kelly's Instagram at traveling.with.babies. We'll link her socials and her blog in the show notes. Tune in next week for part two. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, please share it with a friend and give us a five-star rating and review. See you next episode.